Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, March 14th. How veterans are impacted by the war in Ukraine. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Gas prices are still going up in San Diego. The average price rose by more than two cents on Sunday for a new record high of $5.76 a gallon. That marks its smallest increase since February 28th. Gas prices are 43 cents higher than a week ago and more than a dollar higher than a month ago. That's according to figures from AAA and the Oil Price Information Service. The years-long fight over how to regulate short-term rentals in San Diego appears to be nearing its end. The California Coastal Commission late last week approved the city of San Diego's plan to cap the number of short-term rentals. Under the plan, the city will issue licenses for short-term rentals like those rented through sites like Airbnb. The cap is for whole homes rented out for 20 days or more a year. That type of rental will be limited to 1% of the city's total housing stock, except for Mission Beach, where the city will offer licenses totaling 30% of the neighborhood's housing stock. The Coastal Commission required the framework to be revisited every seven years. The issue now goes back to the city council for final approval, and it could go into effect as early as this fall. The San Diego State University men's basketball team got eighth seed in the Midwest region of the NCAA basketball tournament. They'll be facing ninth-seeded Creighton on Thursday in Fort Worth, Texas. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. The war in Ukraine is producing a steady stream of violent images. These images can have a profound effect on those who have suffered trauma in combat. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh spoke with a vet plagued by survivor's guilt. And a warning, the following story makes references to suicide. In the months prior to the fall of Kabul in August 2021, Nick Pelosi was reaching out to help other veterans. Last July, he described for me a helicopter crash he narrowly survived 15 years ago and its lasting impact. The crash killed 10 soldiers in Afghanistan, including Justin O'Donohoe of San Diego. The damage that comes from this stuff is unbelievable. None of these families are ever going to be the same. Pelosi questioned why the war had dragged on so long. Appearing on a virtual panel about the war sponsored by KPBS in September, he sounded weary when I asked him how he was doing. Um, It's been pretty tough uh, to watch what's going on over there. Having so many friends that died and, you know, I was wounded and tons of friends were wounded. Um, You kind of question what it was all about. In February, months after most of us turned away from the daily images coming out of Afghanistan, Pelosi killed himself. After the war ended, his brother Anthony says Pelosi fixated on the idea that his friend's sacrifice was meaningless. He just immersed himself into news articles, YouTube, news stations on TV. It was pretty rough. The easiest way I could describe it was he was a drug addict. The news 
was his drug. Anthony says Nick was getting counseling at the local VA and working with veterans groups near his home in upstate New York. Occasionally, he would open up to his brother, but he didn't see this coming. Sonia Norman is with the San Diego VA and the VA National Center for PTSD. Even if it's just I didn't deserve to survive, who am I when these other people had families, were doing these other things? She never met Pelosi, but she says survivor's guilt is strongly linked to PTSD. It can come up years later as a person's view of what happened changes. And the guilt gets in the way of treatment. With this, I don't deserve to feel better and I don't deserve good things and 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 kind of that self-destructive piece. And you can see how it can be this be involved in this downward slide towards suicide. Dwayne France is a combat vet who is also a therapist who counsels veterans. Some of his patients were distressed last summer. But images coming out of Ukraine can also trigger past trauma. You can't tell when that distress may lead down the path to suicide. Dozens of things have to go wrong in someone's life for them to get to the place where they're in a suicidal crisis, but maybe only one thing needs to go right. So there are a number of protective factors that may keep service members and veterans from getting into a suicidal crisis. Keeping connected, seeking counseling. Overall, the number of veteran suicides are slowly declining. Still, veterans make up about 7% of the U.S. adult population, but account for 20% of all suicides. It wasn't a factor in Pelosi's death, but a majority of veteran suicides involve firearms. So asking a friend to hold a firearm or at least keeping their guns under lock. The VA and the other organizations will provide free trigger locks. It can be just enough time for a veteran to reconsider. You want to be able to, to be with them, to be there with them when they need you the most. Ross Burkoff is a retired captain. He served two tours in Afghanistan with the 10th Mountain Division. Pelosi is the fourth suicide among those he served with. Burkoff always feels like he needs to do more to keep in contact. The Facebook, I'm here for you, buddy, kind of message, that's fine. I'm sure it's well-intended, but I don't know the answer here. How do we stop this? He answers his own question. You just need to keep reaching out. And that was KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh. If you are experiencing thoughts of suicide, help is available 24 hours a day. Call the National Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. U.S. border officials are preventing Ukrainians from requesting asylum in the United States. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with one war refugee trying to get to relatives in Los Angeles. Natalia Polikova fled her home in Kyiv on the fifth day of the war. She's tried to ask for asylum in the United States, but keeps getting turned back at the San Ysidro border crossing. Again and again and again, like 40 times a day, per car and per uh, on foot and... Uh, different uh, borders here, but nothing. Friday morning, it was another failed attempt. Border officials told Polyakova that she couldn't enter because of the pandemic. Relatives are waiting for her in Oxnard, ready to pick her up as soon as she crosses. She says going back is not an option. You know, because the war, the bombs and the rockets and Putin and everything. Polyakova gave President Joe Biden this direct message. We need help, please. We really need help. My message to U.S. government that we really, really, really need help. Hundreds of Ukrainian and Russian asylum seekers have already crossed into the country through the San Ysidro port of entry in recent years. 
More are expected in the coming weeks. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Coming up, San Diegans are remembering those who lost their lives in an Atlanta-area shooting. We'll have that story and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. This coming week marks one year since the tragic murder of eight people at three separate Atlanta-area spas. The majority of the victims were Asian women. KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim tells us how local activists and community members are coming together to commemorate the anniversary. The March 2021 shooting sparked grief and outrage. It also underscored the need to address the impact of anti-Asian hate on women and femmes. There clearly is a gender violence that is happening and attacked on Asian American women specifically who have been experiencing invisibilization. That's DJ Cutton Candy, the executive director of the Asian Solidarity Collective and one of the organizers of San Diego's Community Solidarity Day of Remembrance. We're coming together in solidarity. We haven't forgotten because it hasn't ended. The latest report from Stop AAPI Hate recorded more than 6,000 hate incidents nationwide in 2021. More than half of all incidents were reported by women. The Day of Remembrance will take place at 6 p.m. Monday night at Balboa Park. Christina Kim, KPBS News. The San Diego City Council is hearing a presentation today on the city's downtown office space needs. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the current conditions are a nightmare for the city and its workers. Around a thousand city employees work downtown, many in drab and outdated office buildings. The city tried to improve conditions by leasing the high-rise at 101 Ash Street, but that building turned out to be an uninhabitable money pit. Michael Zuchett heads the Municipal Employees Association, the largest union of city workers. He says the status quo is abysmal. The air quality is bad. The elevator systems are constantly out. The bathrooms, the plumbing is often both inconvenient and costly to fix and maintain. So it's just a bad situation all the way around. Zuket adds those conditions hurt the city's ability to recruit for the hundreds of currently vacant positions. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. It's officially been two years since the COVID-19 pandemic was declared. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman spoke with a local doctor about the impact of COVID. 
I have a lot of mixed emotions about uh, what has transpired. Dr. William Seng is Kaiser San Diego's assistant medical director. He says San Diego has come a long way in two years, from the first cases and deaths to developing treatments and vaccines that have been proven to reduce hospitalizations and death. Right now, 2.9 million San Diegans have gotten at least one dose. In terms of the environment, the community, if you're vaccinated and boosted, you're doing pretty good. I mean, I, I, I feel good about it. And, and I, would, I would have my father uh, go out in the community uh, now that he's boosted. San Diego County is still seeing about 500 cases per day, but COVID-related hospitalizations have dropped dramatically from more than 1,200 in January to now just over 250. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.